uh, James chapter 1. Uh, we're going to just uh, you read verses 5 and 6 together. The, the, the chapter, uh, the first chapter of James and part of the, the beginning of the books of James, but specifically the first chapter deals with and uh, sets itself up against a sense of a lost identity. Um, it references um, the, the 12 tribes that were scattered as widows and orphans and, and this, identity of, uh, this idea of a lost identity. And so we pick up, um, we pick up James chapter 1 and 5 and 6 having understood that James is trying to tackle something. He's trying to communicate something. He's trying to speak into something uh, specifically having to do with those that have lost their identity or lost who they are. And so um, I want to start in verse 5 and it says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Now before you get carried away here with a little Christian cliche, I want to, I want to change your perspective on what it means to doubt here. Because uh, oftentimes we, we, we realize that doubt or fear or things like that are enemies of faith. But but we, we, when we encounter a situation in our life um, and we have doubt and we need faith, as believers, we just tell people, you know, have faith, stop doubting. Right? It's like, okay, I'll try. And so we tell ourselves, don't doubt, don't doubt. And then I start doubting that my not doubting doubt is creating doubt in my life. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay, I'll just have faith. But what is it practically? What does this look like? What is this doubt we're talking about? Is it doubt in ourselves? Is it doubt in what we have? Is it, what is this doubt? And why does it put us in a place where it says that we're tossed by the wind and the surf of the sea and driven in the tempest? Why does it seem like this doubt puts us in a place where the storm is? And I want to show you through these scriptures as we go through here what God gave me that I believe is a life message for some of you, that you're going to hear this today and it's going to totally transform your life journey. You're going to shift in a different direction. God poured this out to me um, about... Uh, gave me a word for somebody, and in the process of that word, I realized that it was more than just a word for an individual, it was a word for, for us, and then God gave me more to add to it. And so I want you to see this scripture here um, in the mirror translation. But if any of you lacks wisdom, remember that. Let him ask God. Uh, in the mirror it says, the only thing you could possibly lack is wisdom. You like that goofy smile? If you are in Christ, you lack nothing except understanding. If you are in Christ, you lack nothing except understanding. See, religion puts a lot of, of pressure, if you will, or onus on believers for what we're lacking. 
And so immediately when something isn't going right or you're not positioned where you should be or you're not soaring like the eagle on the screen, we automatically assume the reason is because, well, it must be sin in their life. Well, it must be they're not hungry enough. It must be they're not praying enough or doing enough devotions or doing this or doing that. Do they attend a church regularly? Amen. Or do they need... Never mind. Come on. It's all, but this scripture, if you actually look at the Greek, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, if you look at the Greek, it's actually saying the only thing you could possibly lack in Christ is wisdom. And wisdom being understanding, which means if you understand what we've been preaching and talking about for the last year and a half, when you come into that complete, renewed, everyday understanding of what has been provided for you and what God has put inside of you and who you are in Him, it's the only thing that's holding you back from taking flight. Then it says, one might sometimes feel challenged beyond the point of sanity. That's called working for the harvest. How... However, make your request in such a way that you draw directly from the source, not filtered through other opinions. It doesn't just say other people's opinions, it says other opinions, which means any opinion outside of God is actually irrelevant and will cause you to fall into that place of doubt. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that place in a moment. We're going to describe it differently. Anything, which means including your opinion. Do you know your opinion is irrelevant? Your opinion of what you think you lack or need or need in order to take flight is irrelevant. Well, I just feel like if I had this, this would happen. No, it's actually irrelevant. Your opinion is irrelevant. And the opinions of others are irrelevant. Oh, some of you just need to get set free right now from other people's opinions. And the rest of you need to get set free from your opinions about yourself. And stop filtering what God's called you to do through the opinions of others. And stop believing. Because, listen, I get it. I get it. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Come on. Thank you. Don't make me preach too hard. I'll want want a bonus at the end of the week. God is the... For God is the origin and the author of wisdom. Which means the understanding that you lack and need, the only place it can come from is Him, not your friends. Not the critic in your life, and not yourself. The only person that can give you the understanding you need, that you lack, that will allow you to ultimately take flight, is God Himself, for He is the author and the origin of the wisdom you need. If you're seeking understanding with your friends and you are still grounded, you need new friends. If you are seeking your understanding from Facebook, you are a moron. Unless you're tuning in live right now to seek understanding on Facebook, in that case, you are a blessed child of God. We speak wholeness. (laughs) Whoopsies. Then it hit me. I'm like... Wait, we're on Facebook Live right now. (laughs) Share it with your friends. Touch the screen. Believe God for a miracle. Um, 
For his gifts are available to all without regret. Oh, here you go. His gifts are available to all without regret. God is the origin author of your wisdom. Verse 6. For faith must prompt your requests, not your needs. Faith is the stabilizing factor. I love that the mirror does this because the mirror flips it. And instead of talking about doubt, it's talking about faith. Right? Because we get hung up on the doubt part. But what it's saying is faith must prompt your request, not your needs. Faith is a stabilizing factor. Otherwise, you become driven by emotions or inconsistent judgments that get out of control like rough seas tossed by tempest winds. I want to talk to you a little bit about this place that I want to describe as the comfort zone. Today, my message is born to fly, but really what I'm telling you is I want you to get out of your comfort zone. And let me tell you why. The comfort zone is the place where you think you're going to find comfort and safety in. But it has been traditionally the very place where your greatest anxiety, your greatest fear, and your greatest worry have come from. You thought it was going to be a safe place, and you allowed your doubt to keep you grounded. But ultimately, all it did was put you in the middle of the storm. Are you with me here? Ultimately, your fear of being in the storm is what puts you in the storm. Your fear of failure, your insecurities, your whatever it is that kept you grounded ultimately left you in the place where all the things you feared have now become your everyday reality. Why? Because you weren't born to be grounded. You weren't born to be contained in a box. You weren't born to just play it safe. You weren't born for the comfort zone. You weren't born to make everybody happy around you. You weren't born to be driven by everybody's opinion. You were born to pursue the opinion and the wisdom and the understanding of Jesus and live your life from that place. That's what you were born to do. I'm going to be very vulnerable with you right now. Uh, I try to be vulnerable with you, but I want to be vulnerable without you thinking that I'm crazy. Um, but I, I went through a period of time and, and have begun to come out of that place uh, recently where I was so overwhelmed with opinions um, and just feelings around me that it crippled me. It grounded me. Um, you, you don't know this, but I, I'm just going to tell you it. And if, if you decide to leave the church because you hear this, I, I'm sorry, but this is a community of people where I want to lead with authenticity so you can be authentic with one another. And I'm not afraid to admit to you when I'm weak, um, I've realized how weak I really am. And that's a good place to be. Come on. It's a good place to be. When you think you can do everything on your own uh, and, and it feels great and wonderful and then all of a sudden you realize, oh. I, I used to think, I'm just being real with you, I used to think there's nothing I can't do. And, and you're like, well, with God, nothing is impossible. No, no, I didn't say with God. I used to think there's nothing I can't do. You put something in front of me, I'll figure it out, I'll get it done. It was like, if God wants to help, that's cool, but I can do this. That's just where I was. And now I'm like, Lord, I, I, I'm being real with you. I, I, there's a couple of Sundays and a couple of Wednesdays where I kicked the worship team out of my office before service, stuck my head in the pillow and just cried. 
and wept because I didn't want it to come out up here. Scared, freaking out. There's a couple days where I called in and said, I'm not coming into the office, and I laid in bed. The day that I went into the hospital with pericarditis and myocarditis and all that stuff, I was sick, I was laying in bed, and it was more than just the heart stuff. I was just completely immobilized with anxiety and worry. And I got to the point where I told my wife, I said, I feel empty. And see, when I say that in religious circles, the minute minute I say that, you think, well, brother, are you filling yourself up with the word and prayer and worship? Listen, I worshiped, I read, I prayed, and guess what? Nothing happened. Well, that's impossible. I was worshiping more than I ever worshiped. I was worshiping the worship that was worshiping the worship, okay? I was worshiping, and it wasn't helping. I felt empty and lost and, and just a mess. A mess. And felt emotionally crippled. And then I would... I, I, I would come... I would come to church and, and, and I would be in my office and I'd be weeping and crying and hold it together and come out here and do my job. Because that's what you pay me to do. Do my job. And then go home. No, I didn't. Oh, no. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm there and I'm going through this and I'm experiencing it. And I realized something, that the opinions of people, if you are filtering your life through their opinions, it will eventually catch up to you and poison the very well you're drinking from. And I had opinions from California and opinions from New York and opinions from Sarasota and opinions from pastors and opinions... All around, everybody has an opinion. And I realize there's only one opinion that ultimately matters. It is what Jesus has designed you and called you to be and do. Come on. Because if anything will ground you and weigh you down, it is opinions. Come on. And I want you to see this. This place of comfort that has weighed us down, it looks like this. And I want to reorganize for you doubt for a moment. Did I? Did I? Lord, have mercy. Did it? I got caught up so long on that point, this thing has decided to. Is it frozen? Well, that's okay. I'll just read it. Whoa, show. Doubt says you can't do it, don't deserve it, or will fail if you try, and it motivates you to pursue and maintain a comfort zone in your life. And here's the key. It's not doubt in your ability. Some people are like, well, I I have doubted myself. No, no, no. That's not the doubt we're talking about. The doubt is doubting who God actually is in you and created you to be and his ability to deliver what you need for that moment. That's the doubt we're talking about. If you become fully convinced that this has nothing to do with you and everything to do with his call in your life and the fact that the only thing you could possibly lack is wisdom then doubt will be removed and replaced with the faith to step out and begin to flap your wings. 
and I and God gave me this picture the other day when I had this word, and, 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 and he said it was broken wing syndrome. And it's this idea that for whatever reason, at some point in your life, you get damaged, hurt, the church, it could be a pastor, it could be a loved one, they hurt you, and you feel like you've got this broken wing. But after a while, that broken wing is healed, but you're still walking around like you have a broken wing. Where's my wife? Are we good for this next story? Oh, okay. We're not good for this story. Okay. Have you ever, have you ever, uh, <laughs> I'll tell it. Lainey doesn't mind if I tell the story. She won't be mad at me. She's saying what story? For, for, for a while, Lainey had an ankle that was hurting her. And she had hurt it. She had fallen off a little ledge. And, um, and it hurt her ankle and, and generally was in a lot of pain. And she had a brace on. And that brace did not allow her through time to actually realize that her ankle was healing. Because she walked around with the brace. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so months passed and she was still sore. But months passed, and as soon as her mind would get off of the fact that she had a brace on and stop realizing that I am hurt and I've got this ankle problem, and it usually happened on the weekends <laughs> when it was time to play with cousins at Bama's house, she would have a little mini miracle because her mind got off the idea that she was hurt. Some of you need to stop focusing on the fact that you're hurt. <laughs> And realize that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, it's healed a little bit. Do you see what I'm saying? Can you read between the lines? It's healed a little bit. And maybe what you think is broken isn't broken anymore. Stop living with a broken wing syndrome when God's called you to fly and to soar. Now, in all fairness to my lovely daughter and our family, for some reason, we have weak ankles. Straw carts and weak ankles, all of us have ankle problems, and she was indeed in pain. But I want you to see that principle, okay? I want you to see that principle, that after a while, what we have allowed to be the very thing that we use as an excuse to keep us grounded, maybe it's been healed, and it's time for us to dry out and air out those wings and begin to catch some wind underneath it and stop allowing it to be the excuse that keeps us grounded. The problem is we think the comfort zone is a comfortable and safe place to be, yet we have found most of our anxiety, our fear, our worry, and our insecurity waiting for us there. Amen? You see that picture? All right, I got to go quick here. John chapter 15. This is the good stuff right here. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. I want you to see this. This is kind of another way. There's a couple of different uh, pictures the Bible gives us. One is soaring like an eagle. In this case, it's bearing fruit. It's it, Whatever way you want to look at it, it's, it's this idea that you are no longer stuck in that mode where you're just surviving, but you're beginning to, to have and begin to leave a legacy and push beyond the sum of your parts to live a life in the ability of God's 
uh, nature to do something with you, not in your own. And so we're going to look at it in, in the terms of an eagle, but this is fine if we look at it when it comes to bearing fruit. Verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because... Of this, the world hates you. That's a lot of worlds there, but I'm going to make this make sense here. Um, I'm going to tell you exactly why, why the world hates you. And I can't wait to tell some of you why the world hates you. Just kidding. All right. I did not begin in you. This is in the mirror. But you began in me. I am not your idea. <laughs> you are mine. I'm just so grateful for the day I found Jesus. You think you found him? I just pursued him with my whole heart and I found him waiting there for me. Really? He's playing hide and go seek. Listen, I, I don't want to get caught up on this because I have a main point to make, but we've pretty much eliminated every song in our entire worship catalog that says, God, please come. We're waiting here for you. Please, you know, all that stuff. When he's here, and the only thing we lack is the understanding that he is present, he is here, and he's waiting for us to actually engage with what he's called us to be and do through him and in him. So actually there's songs that I really love. There's a song that Estray wants to do that's, that, that Kim Walker does that it's an amazing song. And what is it? Yeah. It says we're waiting for a fresh outpouring. And I'm like, honey, I love the song, but we're not waiting anymore. The fresh outpouring of heaven is here. And it's a great song and it gets me excited, but I'm, I can't sing it. She can sing it. She, she can do whatever she wants. But that's not what it says. Okay, we will. I'm sure the songwriter will love that. <laughs> That's so Aaron. That is an Aaron thing to do. We will make this work. It's ours now. We sing it. I want you to see that, though. I want you to see that for a moment, though, if you can. This was not our idea. Finding him was not your idea. He was searching, pursuing, looking for you, and he has been waiting for you to just come to the full understanding that he's been there all along. If you actually realize that he's been there all along, your whole life will change. You weren't this hidden secret that one day bumped into Jesus and was like, thank you, Lord, I found you. This is not a kid played in hide-and-go-seek. He's not a cruel, cruel dad. How many of you know that when a dad plays hide-and-go-seek with his three-year-old, he doesn't actually try to hide? Half an hour later, the toddler's like, I can't find daddy. Come on. He's not hiding. He's here waiting for you. And all of this was his idea. And so some of you need to be reminded of that because you need to remind yourself that I didn't decide to be the one that was called the sore. I'm not the one that decided to put this calling on my life, this, this thing in me. It was his idea. And so if it was his idea, he's given you what you need to take flight. Do you hear me? Some of you need to put it back on him. I think you're afraid to because you're afraid that his answer will be, 
I'm not, I'm ready. Let's go. I think the, I think the thing we're most scared of is the yes from God. We love the no's. We hate the yeses. Because the yeses mean we have no more excuses. The Lord, Lord's like, Lord, do you want me to do this? No. You want me to hang out with this person? No. Do you want me to take this job? No. Do you want, do you want me to move across the street? No. Good, I get to stay here <laughs> with my little groove, all warm and fuzzy with my blankie. <laughs> Nothing's changing. And then we're like, Lord... Do you want me to get off the ground and take flight? Yes. Whoa. <laughs> but I like it here. Really? You like it where fear and anxiety and the storm has totally wrecked your life and taken you off guard and hit you emotionally over and over and over again? That's what you like. That's what you enjoy. All because you thought when you entered into that place it was going to be comfortable. Meanwhile, the Lord's actually called you like an eagle to soar above the clouds. Come on. What you're afraid of is what you are living in, and what you are living in will no longer be what you're living in if you take flight and soar above all the storm. You know, those eagles, when the storms come, they just glide above. If you can go back to the picture, I guess that's my responsibility here. This eagle is actually flying above the, the clouds. That's probably Photoshop, but that's besides the point. This eagle is, not probably it is, because no one had a camera up there at this very moment. That um, this eagle is flying above the clouds in the storm, and we're so scared of this perspective, not realizing it, that what we thought we would encounter up there is actually what we're encountering on the ground, and God wants us to rise above. Is it scary to take flight? Yeah, for a moment. And then you're like, oh, it took me so long. Now, I don't, I don't mean this offensively, but... Uh, nothing will make you feel more free than getting to a point in your life where you're like, I don't care what you think. 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 Oh, oh, you're a pastor over a big movement. I don't care what you think. Oh, really? You've been praying about me, have you? I don't care what you think. Because if it doesn't line up with who what God created me to be, I don't care what you think. I know what some of you are thinking. Well, are you trying to elevate yourself above the counsel of many? Doesn't the Bible say there's wisdom in the counsel of many? There's understanding in the counsel of many? Right, but what is that understanding? The understanding is you don't belong on the ground. You belong up here. And unless the counsel of many that you're with is calling you higher and calling you above the crowd, you need to get a new counsel. If that counsel isn't saying, let me tell you who you've been created to be. Let me tell you who you are in Christ. Let me tell you where you belong to fly. Get a new counsel. Because otherwise, there's depression in the counsel of many. There's anxiety in the counsel of many. There's worry in the counsel of many. And if it smells like criticism that is not calling you higher, guess what? I don't want your counsel. And I want to tell you this, 
Let me tell you the type of friends you should have. You should have friends that every time you're with them, they're saying, come up higher. Come on. Soar. Fly. Yeah. What you're doing is great, but there's so much greater that you can do. Hey, if you're not hanging around people who have a greater vision for your life than you do, get new people. I'm telling you. My wife and I, my wife and I have been having a lot of conversations about this. We've been talking so much in the last couple months, mainly because she's worried I was going crazy, but that's besides the point. And we've been talking so much, and we have gotten to a point in our talks, in our relationship, where we're not just celebrating what each other's accomplishing, but our visions for one another are growing beyond what our own vision is. And if you can get to that spot, if you can get to that place, and we're, we're by no means perfect. We're processing through a lot, but we're by no means perfect. But I'm telling you, if you can get to that place, it just seems like all the stuff that annoyed you two about each other seems to fade when that person is championing you above what you even think you're capable of. And so if you can't see that, if you can't see that in your spouse or your loved one, ask God to give you understanding about what they're called to be and do. And call them up. Don't ground them with fear, worry, restriction, control, all the stuff we use. Don't ground them. Call them up to the place of freedom where they can take flight above the storm, where they can, where, where God forbid you take a nosedive and you end up somewhere near the ground. They can be up above the heavens calling out like an eagle for you to rise above the clouds too. Because I'm telling you, church is not about what you think it's about. This is not a place to fix all your problems. This is not a place to fix your issues. This is a place where you will gain the understanding that you lack so you can do and be who God's created you to be. I want this to be a well of understanding pouring out upon humanity. I want this to be a place where you come and you leave her going, man, I did not know that about myself, about him, about him and me. <gasps> man, I'm ready for the week. That's what this should look like. That's what this should look like. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. It's 1230, people. you got to stop doing this to me. All right, hold on. Let me get through this. Josh, darn it. All right, here you go. Come on, come on, come on. I left my good one at home. This one's the crappy one. Oh, here it is. Okay, let's look at this real quick. All these things are the conclusion of my assignment to you and find their context in your love for one another. Know that the world system hated me first whenever you encounter their resistance against you. Do you want to know why the world hates you? You're going to find out in verse 19. Are you ready for this? If your lives were the product of the world system, the world system is the law. The world system is you give what you get. Come on, the world system is uh, you sow this, you receive this. The world system is not unearned favor. It is not the grace of God, okay? The world system doesn't understand unearned favor. How did you get that? I don't know. I didn't earn it. That doesn't make sense. How did you get given a food truck? That doesn't make sense. How does somebody randomly call you on the phone who has no interest in food trucks and is making a living doing something else and decides they want to give you a food truck and go to business with you? It doesn't make sense. And the world just goes, that just doesn't make sense. The world system is the law. God's system is different. And here's the problem. The world will hate you because they, they can't stand you because their mold no longer has any hold on you. See, it is the box and the mold of the law-based world system that keeps you grounded. If you really, really knew me well, as some family and friends do, you would realize I do not belong up here. Does that make you feel safe now? 
sometimes I got to remind myself and everybody else, I did not pick this, all right? <laughs> this is the Lord's idea. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> because it's, well, what, what has he done in order to receive this? What has she done in order to receive this? That's the world system. God's system is different. He pours out on you what you need to soar regardless if you deserve it. And all you need to do is get the understanding to embrace it and take flight. Do you hear me? I want to declare this over you right now. You need to take flight. It is time to soar. It is time to get off the ground, quit the excuses, embrace what God said about you, tell the council of critics no, and take flight. Come on. Well, I just don't feel like I can or I should. Well, then you need to get people around you that believe that you are an eagle and not an ostrich. Do you hear me? You are not an ostrich. You're an eagle. Get your head out of the sand and get around people that are calling you up. Not out. If you want to call me out... I have a special seat for you, and it's back by the garbage can, okay? If you want to call me up, come on. You can be my friend. She's getting it. All right, and he is. I want to read this to you, and then we're going to end. We're dealing with two dimensions here. One coming from above presides over all, while the reasoning from a mere earthly perspective is confined to communicate from an earthly point of view. Two different dimensions, two different perspectives, one from above, one from the earth. The conversation realized as originating in heaven has the final say. No one can fully engage in heaven's perspective unless one's heavenly origin is realized. You want to soar and get heaven's perspective above the clouds, you need to realize that Jesus is the one that initiated this all in you, and it had nothing to do with you. We need to stop applying an earthly system to the calling of God in our lives and embrace a heavenly perspective because you will never, it says this, no one can fully engage in heaven's perspective. No one can take flight above the storm and look down from heaven's perspective unless one's heavenly origin is realized. For the Son of Man declares that humanity's co-creation is from above. I want to end with this because it's late. You don't have to have special access in order to take flight. You were born and created to fly. One of my favorite rides at um, Epcot or Disney or any of the parks is Soarin'. I've had some great moments on that ride uh, with friends and family. And it's just one of those rides that just, if you've never done it, especially the new one, the new version of it, it's so cool to feel like you're flying above all of this. The perspective when you're on the ground and all you can see is the grass 50 feet in front of you versus when you're flying over a group of elephants in the African plain. It's totally different. And if we could see and realize that the origin of all of this is from heaven and not earth. Therefore, it does not conform or fit into earth's system. And realize that God is the one that initiated whatever it is in your heart. Then you realize that the answer is not those that are on the earth. The answer is heaven's perspective. 
And some of you need to stop believing the lies over your life. I had somebody say this to me once, and I thought, man, oh man, oh man. It was beautiful, and it was heart-wrenching at the same time. And they said to me, you know, my whole life, I just realized over time that I was created to hold the kite string. To be on the ground and to keep everything tethered in place so it didn't get too carried away. And champion those that I love to be the kite. And I thought, you know, that's awesome. It's sacrificial. It's beautiful. And maybe you'll go through a season like that. But ultimately, none of us are called to hold the kite string. Really, none of us are called to even be the kite tethered to something on the ground. We're called to fly in our calling and freedom. We're called to soar. And if you're holding the kite string because you think, well, somebody has to keep this thing together, let go and take flight. I've heard it my whole life because I am a bit on the reckless side. And I was growing up, if you said, I dare you, before you could get out of your mouth, I was doing it. I combined my reckless self with my prophetic self, which knew what you were getting ready to ask me to do, and I just did it. So I get it that that part of that is my personality, but I actually believe that nobody is called to quote-unquote hold it down. Do you notice that the people that are always feel responsible for everybody else are the ones that have the most worry and fear? They carry that burden because they feel and believe like they have to because if they don't hold it down, who will? Well, I'm going to tell you who will. The one that originated it. Freedom is scary, but when you release people and let them go and then take flight yourself, then instead of worrying about who's getting going where or what's happening, you can take flight be above the tempest and the storm and the anxiety and the fear and worry and insecurity and embrace the understanding that everything you need, God has provided to you. And if you believe that about yourself, you have to believe that for the people around you, the ones that you care about, the ones that you look after. You have to believe that everything that God intended for their life is available and waiting for them. And so if you want to play a role in their life, don't play the role of critic. Play the role of the of the council of understanding that says young man or young woman or mom or dad or whatever it is, whatever you need to soar, God has waiting for you in him. In the, listen to me, I, I redefined faith a couple weeks ago for you. In the abandonment of our feeling like we have to add to the completeness of what Christ has done. We need to abandon the idea that God is waiting on us to give or do something and come to the understanding that all he's waiting on us is to soar and take flight. He's waiting on us to get it. He's waiting on us to fix this. Not the broken wing, not the insecurities, not the perceived lack. The only lack is you understanding who you're called to be. And I want to say it one more time as I close. You're called to be an eagle. Amen. And you're called to fly. Amen. And you're called to soar above the storm. Yes, yes. Black, white, red, yellow, old, young. It does not matter. You've been called to take flight. And it's never too late. 
to get up. I don't care how dusty and gray those wings are. Get them out. I'm not going to do my eagle noise because it's weird. Let's bow our heads and pray. Sorry, guys, it's long today, but Lord, just give me a lot to say. And Father, we just thank you for this. Bless your people today as we come to this full understanding and embrace it. God, that we stop allowing the opinions of ourselves or the people around us that just don't get it, don't understand what we're called to, that we'll begin to embrace the voices of people that are not calling us out, but that are calling us up, that are speaking to our destiny, that are speaking to what we've been created to be, that are speaking to who we really are, that are speaking to what you've called us in, into and out of. And so God, today, let us leave here um, inspired. Let no one in this place believe that they weren't called to soar. Let no one in this place believe the lie that they have a broken wing. Let no one in this place think that they lack anything other than the understanding that we're hopefully getting this morning. And let us realize that, God, you initiated this in our life. So, Lord, it's your responsibility to give us flight. It's your responsibility to put the wind underneath our wings. It's our responsibility to just take that first step out and believe. And so, God, let us jump off the cliff, wings wide open, ready to soar. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, let it indelibly mark our hearts and our minds, our souls forever. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Thanks for being patient this morning. We love you.